Well, good morning, everyone. And man, I just want to just thank you so much, Papa Dave. We've watched you from far, and man, you have been a blessing to us more than you know. Thank you, sir, for the privilege for allowing us to be in here this morning. Uh, Pastor Sean, thank you. Thank you so, so much. You know, I always say that as, as sons, the ceiling of our fathers must become our floor. You see, every great father will always want to see his children doing more than they did. That's why Jesus said, the things I did will you do. So where he ends is, should be the starting point for us. And not only will you do the things he did, but also greater. Amen. Amen. So we believe, we thank God for Pastor Dave and everything God is using him to accomplish and still using him to accomplish. But man, the future looks good and bright and great. So thank you so much, Pastor Sean, and just to the leadership of the church, thank you so much for affording us the privilege and the grace to be here this morning. And I believe our time will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, my wife, my family at the back, and Eileen with our little lovely Abigail. She had to sit in the back just to make sure that Abigail behaves. So just, <laughs> so we are together. We are deeply in love and richly in love. Um, but yeah, it's amazing what kids can, can do to you. But they are just such a joy. I've got very limited time, so I really want to maximize. And let me begin by saying that, you know, whenever people or someone gives you their ears, please don't abuse it. It's a powerful thing to be afforded someone's ears because the privilege you have is that you speak into those ears and the things you are saying can either be life or death. Amen. So we really appreciate you for giving us your ears, and we pray that the things that will be spoken this morning will be a great blessing to you. I will say this before we begin, that I do want to challenge you this morning. I will challenge you. I want to provoke you. You know, my problem is I played right before the lines. I don't look like it anymore. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> but here's the thing. I said, to live below our privileges in the Lord, I believe it's a sin. It's a sin to live below your privileges in the Lord. And so the opportunities I get is really just to provoke you so that you and I don't settle for less than what God has made available for us. So when he says that you are loved, you will live the rest of your life believing and knowing that I am loved by the Father. Amen? Amen? And so this is really to really just to provoke us this morning so that if there's any area in our lives where we've been settling for less than what God has intended for us, that you will draw the line in the sand today not to live below your privileges in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Two things that, is, that are crippling the church today is what I call the des destitute of the truth and the famine of the Father's love destitute of the truth. The scripture says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Jesus came and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So many have come through the way, but unfortunately they've been stuck. So they'll go to heaven, just like poor Lazarus. He ended up in heaven, but he lived the most pathetic life on earth. Amen? 
But I don't want to just go to heaven and live a pathetic life on earth. I want to be like Abraham, end up in heaven, but also experience heaven on earth. And so Jesus is not only the way, he said, I'm also the way, the truth. But you have to move from just having recognized, received him as the way to coming into the family and move to a place of discovering truth. Because it is only the knowledge of the truth that you know, the truth you know is what will set you free. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth you know. So the truth you don't know will not set you free. That's why it says, my people are being perished for the lack of knowledge. My people. I believe that is one of the saddest verses in the whole scriptures. That God's people, people that have been packaged with the abilities of heaven, with the fullness of the Godhead abiding in them, can be destroyed. He says, ye are God's little children, but you are dying like mere men because you don't know what is on the inside of you. So we have to move from just embracing Jesus as the truth to move into a place where we discover truth. Amen? And then you get those who are also experiencing truth. They've come to discover truth, but they are stuck in truth. There's also the life. You know, we have a privilege of, you know, um, having taught at Bible school, been to Bible school, currently directing the Bible school on the continent. But here's the thing. We get many who come in and they leave very fat-headed and very skinny-hearted because knowledge pops people up. So you can have the knowledge of the truth and you can still be stuck without not experiencing that. The Father's heart is that you experience life. Amen. But the way to experiencing the life is the application of the truth that you've come to know. And so Jesus is speaking to the disciples, I believe it's Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13, and he asked them a simple question. He said, who do men say that I am? Of course, everybody wanted to show how intelligent they are, so they started, you are Elijah, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are a prophet. And then he changes the question from a public affair and made it personal. He said the journey of Christianity is not a public affair, it's a private affair. Then he says, but who do you say that I am? You see, that's a very powerful question because the answer to that question is what will set the pace of your life till the end. And so Peter goes on and obviously answers and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And then he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. For many years, we were told that Peter was the rock. But what Jesus was saying is that upon this revelation you've received from the Father, I will build my church. Please understand that this building is not the church. You and I are the church. He says, upon the revelation of Christ will I build you as my church. And so the revelation of Christ are the building blocks upon which you and I are built. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, nothing builds than the revelation of Christ. Yeah. And I'll show you just briefly how my life changed for the better. Yeah. Nothing builds than the revelation of Christ. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing will ever build you up in this. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. 
you are built by the word of his grace, which is the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing will ever build you. Those who know their God, they shall be strong and do great exploits. Oh, the destitute of truth. You cannot afford, it is very costly, very expensive to live without not knowing the truth. And when I say the truth, truth is a person, his name is Jesus Christ. It is very expensive, very costly to live not knowing the truth. We had one of our, our partners in the Endowomic Ministries, one of the top surgeons in the country. This was a few years back, about three or four years he came to the office. But this man was, he was one of the top, he is one of the top surgeons, but very young. He was going through a bit of a problem with his wife, so marital problems, they came, they said, for 30 minutes they have a go at each other. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, do you come for me to listen to you arguing, or do you come to listen? They went on, eventually I said, Doc, you need to stop, you need to stop right now. I said, Doc, you are now currently one of the top surgeons in the entire country. Hmm. And then I said to him, how many years did you study to be where you are today? He says, man, it's been over 30 years, but the thing about medicine is that it's constantly changing, so we are constantly having to learn. I said, we have a, a module at Bible school called Excellence in Ministry. The heart of the module is to help you major on the major things in life and minor on the minor things in life. So it says, number one, your first priority in life is God. Number two, your spouse. Number three, your children. Number four, your ministry, which is either your business, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a preacher, that's number four. I said, Doc, you've given yourself over 30 years and you are still learning for that which is number four. No wonder why you are so publicly successful. I said, the problem is this. You've studied for 30, over 30 years and so publicly you've been successful. I said, how many books have you read about marriage? And then the light went on. I said, therein lies the problem. You are wanting the same result, but you are not willing to put in the same effort. I said, publicly you are succeeding, but privately you are failing, and you are failing very miserably. Why? Because you've never given the same time, the same effort, the same resources to that which is number two. And it's amazing how everybody wants the result, but they are not willing to put in the time. You see, as a sportsman, I understand the place of being ready in and out of season. My mom said, it's always better to be prepared and not get an opportunity in life than to get one and you are not prepared for it. The scripture says you need to be ready in and out of season. Amen. You see, the enemy doesn't make an appointment when he visits you. He doesn't say, hey, Jacques, I'll be at your house next week, Thursday, 5 o'clock. <laughs> he comes and he comes with his uncles, aunties, cousins, and everybody else. And so that's why we have to. It's very costly, very expensive not to sit and discover the truth. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, I asked, Hallelujah. I asked Danica to run with me this morning. It says, The hypocrite with this mouth destroyeth his neighbor, 
But he said, but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. Through knowledge, the righteous, the knowledge of the truth of the person of Jesus Christ, will the righteous be delivered. The reason why many righteous are not delivered and are going seeking after deliverances in any other form and shape is because they just don't have the knowledge of the truth. Through knowledge, through knowledge, some of you here is a thing, think about this. Because you've been in this church, you've been discipled and you are hearing the truth, the you today is not the you five years ago. Things that you used to be afraid of, you are no longer afraid of because of the knowledge you've come to gain. When now you are confronting the enemy that he even trembles when you wake up every morning. Knowledge. Knowledge. Isaiah chapter 33 verse 6, he says, Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your time. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stabilities of your time. So it doesn't matter what time it is, whether coronavirus time, whether, I mean, you name them all. It doesn't matter what time it is, that which will stabilize you in the time of hardship, difficulties, whatever it is called, is wisdom and the knowledge of the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. It's very expensive not to give yourself to knowing the truth. You've studied over 30 years for that which is number four. How many books have you read about number two, your, your spouse? Let's not even go to number one, the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to provoke us this morning so we can put our priorities in order. We chase after number four, career. We succeed in it, but we fail very terribly in our families and in our relationship with God. You see, when God is in place, everything will fall into place. Everything. 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 Everything will fall into place. What are we saying this morning? I want to focus a little bit on the second one. It is what has changed our life, and every time I minister at the church for the first time, I said to the Lord, that is the one message I would love to start off with. But it's the famine of the love of the Father. <laughs> you cannot allow yourself not to know how much the Father loves you. Come on, come on, come on. The scripture says, man, because lawlessness is growing, as a result of it, the love of many are growing cold. But as those who know the Father, your love ought not to grow cold. As great as sin can be, his love is far greater. Amen. And when you are consumed, intoxicated by his love, it doesn't matter how much lawlessness grows, but the fire of his love will always and forever consume the sins around you. You see... Passports and ID books serves two purposes. They tell you who you are, and it tells you from which country you are from. And the love, love is the Father's ID book and passport. Amen. Amen. It is what reveals him, it is what tells you who he is, and it is what tells you where he's from. He said, by this shall all men know that you are his disciples. Not by the miracles. By this shall all men know that you are his disciple. If you love one to another. And so love is your ID book, your passport in which you are identified by and with. And he said, but God is love. God is love. There's a beautiful story in Matthew chapter 20, 
verse 26 to 28, Jesus is teaching the disciples about leadership. And he's telling them, hey, don't lead like those of the world. Don't lord over people. And then in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he says, but the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So what he's saying is this. Sean, I, Jesus, am not in your life for you to serve me. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. I, Jesus, am not in your life for you to serve me, but I, Jesus, am in your life so that I, Jesus, can serve you. The question then is, why do you serve God? You see, herein lies one of the biggest problems in the church, where many are trying to serve the Father whom they've not experienced serving them. And if pastors can be honest, I've been there. They are very tired to the point of some now being depressed, wanting to commit suicide. Because they've been trying to give, and that's what we're told. You need to do this for God to love you. And so many are trying to serve a God they've never experienced serving. There's a story where Jesus is wanting to wash the disciples' feet. He goes to Peter and he says, Peter, I need to wash your feet. Peter does what most of us would do when we think we are being humble. He says, no, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will not, or if, I, if you don't allow me to minister to you, you will never be fit enough to serve me. Amen. You see, here's the problem. We are trying to serve a God we've never experienced serving us. That's why the ministry of Jesus was never about what you and I can do for him, but everything that the Father has done for us. And then he comes and he invites us in to say, hey, I'm inviting you in to see how much the Father loves you. And when you are captured and consumed by the Father's love, nobody needs to encourage you to come to church every Sunday. You see, we thought Peter was being humble, saying, Jesus, you can't wash my feet because you are the greater one. You see, he's trying to teach them that everything in the kingdom does not start with you. In the old covenant, it started with the people because when you did this, God could do this. If you did good, God did you good. If you did bad, God did you bad. But in the new covenant, the Father has already moved. It's too late for him to change his mind about how he feels about you. There's nothing you can do, there's nothing you cannot do that will make him feel differently about you. And the ministry of Jesus was simply just him coming to helping you see how much you've captured the Father's heart. So before Nalina and I got married, I had no reference of a good marriage in my family. It was pathetic every single one of my uncles. In the church where we were part of, it was pathetic. Even the pastor had gone through a few divorces. Well, yeah, but let's not go there. But I wanted to get married. I desired, I said, Lord, surely in the beginning it was not so. So I sat for some time. I was at Raymond Bible College at the time, and I remember the Lord, he showed me some stuff through the book of Hosea and the book of Jonah. And I want to share that with you today. But if you know the story of Hosea, the Lord is wanting to express his love and reveal to us his love for us through or his love for Israel. 
And then he tells the prophet to go and buy the prostitute, Goma. Right? She comes home, they get married, she goes out and she cheats. Now, where I come from, I've been in the church circles not too many years, but the little I've seen, whenever a man cheats on the wife, for some reason, women tend to be more forgiving, more gracious, that even though there'll be a time of separation pain, but women tend to forgive their husband. But if the woman cheats, for the man to forgive, man, God has to speak audibly from heaven. So God is using the most difficult case in a situation like that. If God had to say, Goma, the lady should, if God used a, a woman prophet to go and buy a cheating husband, I don't think the message would have been that powerful. That's yeah. a day. But now he's saying a man has to be the one to go and buy or pursue a woman who is cheating. Let me say this. Husbands, you are first a wife before you are a husband. And this is important to know. You are first a wife before a husband. You are first the bride of Christ. And until you experience how much your groom loves you, you cannot love your spouse. You see, here's the thing. You cannot love beyond the proportion. You cannot love your wife beyond the proportion that you've experienced your groom, Jesus, loving you. And so the problem is we think buying chocolates are all... Man, there's nothing wrong with that. Please hear my heart. But the point is this. For you to be effective in the communication of your love with your spouse, you better make sure you allow him to serve you. You see, you cannot forgive beyond. He said, forgive, even as I have forgiven you. I'll show you scriptures shortly. But the problem is husbands are trying to love. As a wife, you are you're already a wife. The scripture says, he who finds a wife. It is a who finds a girl or a lady. You know why I said he who finds a wife? Because as a woman, you are already married to Christ. I don't become a wife when I get married. I'm already a wife, and when I recognize myself being a wife, even before the man comes, and I carry myself as a wife to my groom, Jesus, you will be found. But the problem is we think we only become a wife when somebody asks me to marry you. As a husband, you are first a wife. You see, you have to see how your groom treats you. You have to see how much he loves you. If you are not allowing him to serve you, his ministry was never how much you can serve him. And I'll show you now where he said, he, Jesus doesn't even tell us to love God. He never did. He never did. He was quoting from the Old Testament. They asked him the question, what is the first, what is the First commandment. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But you have to, as a husband, as a wife, you have to first know that you are first the bride of Christ before you are a spouse to your wife. You cannot love beyond the proportion of how much you've allowed him to love you. You cannot give what you do not have. The problem is many are trying to give something they've never experienced or done. You cannot make a withdrawal until you've made a deposit. And many are frustrated. Many are tired. Many are tired. I said to Pastor Sean, I, I, I did a teaching on, on diligence. You know, Paul says, I am who I am by the grace. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. By the grace of God. He says, his grace was not in vain. Why? 
He said, because I labor more than you all. But even in the labor, it wasn't him laboring in the flesh. It was grace at work in him. Here's the thing. Grace is seeking opportunity to labor. You see, you don't get tired because of how much you do. You get tired from where you're operating from, either from the flesh or from grace. So you see a man like Pastor Dave, they go and they're tireless. You think to yourself, where does he get the strength from? You see, they've learned how to ride on the wings of his glory on the waves of the Holy Spirit. You are not tired because of how much you do in life. Jesus, God was not tired when he says you need, he, he needed to rest. You are not tired because of how much you do. You are tired from where you are operating from. If you operate from the flesh, you will get tired. But if, if you allow grace, if you learn the rhythms of grace and you work with grace, man, grace will take you beyond what your physical cannot take it. Hallelujah. So what are we saying? Let's just go through a few scriptures and let's go to Matthew chapter 22 verse 34. Matthew 22 verse 34. Matthew 32 verse 34. I need to check my time here quickly. Pastor Sean, what time do I finish? Nine? He says I must go. I can go for ten hours. <laughs> Joking. But let's go to, so Matthew chapter 22 verse, uh, from verse 34 Let's go this through. He said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35. He said, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. And it's always the lawyers, eh? Asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Testing him. So, here, so they were testing Jesus and saying, verse 36, he said, teacher, which is, the great command, which is the great commandment in the law? So Jesus was being tested. Now, you cannot be tested for something that you are not supposed to know. Amen? For you to write a test, it means you are meant to know something. Okay? So they are testing him. And remember, at the time, the new covenant was not, the new testament was not even written. Okay? So they are testing him based on what is in the law to see if he knows what is in the law. Making sense? Okay, so now Jesus goes on and he goes on. He said, Jesus said to them, he says, now he's answering them based on what is in the law. Right? He says, in the law, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Verse 38, he said, this is the first and the great commandment. And then verse 39, he said, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this was a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and also Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. But here's the thing. You need to get this. He was answering. What was in the law? We together? Yeah. It was a quotation in the law, part of the commandments that the Lord gave in the Old Testament. Now let's go to John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John chapter 13, 34 and 35. For time's sake, I'll read uh, here. It says, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you. Hold on. For him to say a new commandment I give to you, it meant there was an old commandment. So when he says a new commandment I give to you, what he's saying is this, forget the old. Are we together? He says a new commandment. It's like, man, Pastor Dave coming to say, guys, listen, from now on service, the new commandment is service will start at 9 a.m. So what he's saying is that we used to start at 8, now we start at 9. If you come at 8 o'clock, you'll be cleaning the floor for us. 
Amen? And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, a new commandment I give to you, hear this, that you love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say love. The first one said love the Lord with all your heart, with all your might. Now he says in the new commandment, he didn't talk about you loving God. He didn't say you need to love God. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The key is in the as I have loved you. He's communicating. He says, you need to, I want you to love one another as I, I need you to love your neighbor. I need you to love one another. But the key is that you would know how much I have loved you so that from that point, you can begin to love one another. But the problem is many are trying to love one another, yet they've never experienced him loving Loving them. I know you are good service servants of the Lord, but I really sense that even in the life of this church right now, the Lord is wanting to now serve you and not more you serve Him. You see, here's the th- folks. Please, you need to get my heart. This has been one of the when we talk about the feminine of the Father's love. This is it. Many are tired if people can be honest. Not people here, people in other churches. Many are tired. Like Pastor Dave said this morning, it's become the extra. It's become the extra. But it's not supposed to be so. It's become the extra because many have not really experienced what we are talking about. Because many have been doing it on their own strength, and as a result of it, they are really tired, so they've made it the extra. As long as, man, listen to me, you will, not be, you will never be fit enough serving the Lord if you've never allowed him to serve you. Come on, brother, you must preach yourself. You will never. And he goes through this and countless of time. He's explaining some. Let's go to John chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. And this is even in the life of John chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. In the life of Jesus, we see the very same thing. John 15, verse 9 and 10. Jesus is speaking. He said, as the Father loved me. Hear this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. He never came. He never, he wasn't trying to love the Father. He allowed the Father first to love him. And as the Father loved him, he was captured, and now he's loving us. And he tells us, and now you need to love one another. Remember, Jesus, as the Father has loved me. Now I have loved you so that you can love others as I have loved you. So here's the thing. Hmm. Oh, man, thank you, Jesus. He never told you to love the Father because you cannot love the Father until you've allowed and experienced the Father first loving you. Thank you, Jesus. And the focus of his ministry was just to help you see how much the Father loves you. Man, he loves you. Man, he loves you, man. If you see the disciples, there were those who proclaimed how much they loved the Father. They were the ones that denied him. Yeah. 
when it matters the most. But those who knew how much the Father loved them, and those who knew how much the Father loved them always outran those who claimed to know God. And I often hear this. Oh, I love God. Really? Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us. It's always as he's loved us. Walk in love as the Father has loved us. Say, so forgive one another even as he has forgiven you. It always begins with him. You always have to know how he's forgiving you so you and I can forgive. So what am I saying this morning? Everything I've said is to say this to you. Allow the Father to serve you. And for most of us, he's wanting to love your fears out of you, your pain, your hurts. You know those areas we've put burglar proofs and security wires on top of those? Allow him to love you. <coughs> Allow him to love you. It's not more how much you love him, but much more how much he loves you. And the key to the Christian life is you allowing him to love you so that from that place, you and I can love him and be able to love one another. You cannot love beyond the degree in which you've allowed him or you've experienced him loving you. Amen? So even as lawlessness is growing, you and I, for those who will abide in him and be experienced in him, even though sin is great, his love is greater. His love is greater. His love is greater. His love is greater. I know you've served him, but he wants to serve you. You see, to a religious mind, you can't even take it how God can serve you. Well, let me tell you that he's already, he already came down. The fact that God Almighty will leave his throne to confine himself to a human body. Amen. You know why? It was just for you. Just for you. Just for you. And you have to allow your heart to be captured by this. And finally, that's why Paul could say, the love of God constrains me. The love of God constrains me. And then finally, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, now may the Lord direct your, your heart into his love. And that's my prayer for us this morning. May the Lord direct your heart into his love and into the patience of Jesus Christ. Wake up every morning. Father, show me a new facet of your love today. You know, I hate it. I hate there's a word people use that he's my sandpaper person. You know, people that you don't get along easily, who tick you off the wrong way, who for some reason you are not happy with because they are just difficult. You see, God doesn't have a sandpaper person. There's a place in the Father's love when you are captured by his love. In Matthew chapter 5, it talks about, Jesus said, it was said, but now I say to you, it was said in the old that you love your neighbors and you hate your enemies. He says, now I tell you to love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. 
You know how? He says, so that you may be as, just as your father. Because that's what you, and who your father. He loves his enemies. He loves those who persecute them. But it's an invitation. It's not about the enemies. It's not those who are spitefully using you. He's trying to reveal to you the greatness and the magnitude of who he is on the inside of you and what is placed on the inside of you. That's why you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. Just abide in him. Just abide in him. You can love your enemies. You can pray for those who spitefully use you. The key to handling difficulties in relationship. Matthew chapter 5. He says, even the sinners love those who love them. They greet those who greet them. He said, what reward do you have? You know what he's saying? He said, there's something on the inside of you to put you ahead than the, than the non-believers. He said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And the greater is the love he's placed and shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He said, be perfect just like your Father in heaven is perfect. You know why? Because the Father not only loves those who love him, but the Father also loves those who don't love him. He died for the whole world. He loved you when you were yet a sinner. He said, be perfect. This is when you know the love has been perfected in the man's heart. When a man can love those who love him and love those who don't love him equally the same. And so two things I look for as I deal with people. Number one, I look at how people, what people do when they've made a mistake. You see, everybody makes mistakes. The issue is not the mistakes. But will you take responsibility? It's the heart you bring to the table. Would you take responsibility? Would you fess up when you've messed up? That's what reveals a man. Everybody makes mistakes. James chapter 3, verse 2, he said, we all stumble in many things. The New Living Translation said, we all make many mistakes. So you are not perfect. You will make mistakes. I will make mistakes. But the issue is not the mistakes we make. It's the heart we bring to the table when the mistake has been made. And number two, you look at people when they are right and how they deal with those who are wrong. Hmm. There's a big one. Just because you are right doesn't make you right to treat people or behave ungodly. You see, Christ has been right in his relationship with you when you have been wrong. But when he's right and you are wrong, he doesn't change his attitude towards you. He doesn't love you less. I'm trying to reveal to you the greatness because this same kind of love he has shared abroad in your heart as a believer by the Holy Spirit. The key to getting ahead in life. By this shall all men know that you are my disciple. The love of God is what defines you. It's your passport, your ID book in life. That defines who you are and from where you are from. You belong to the... You're a citizen of heaven. The way you tell where someone is from, which citizenship they have, is by their passport. Your passport is the Father's love that is shared abroad in your heart. Amen. So I want to pray for us this morning. May I ask you to all just stand on your feet this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, what a privilege it is to have God Almighty serving us. 
I am in your life, I the son of man. I just want you to just ponder just for a minute or two. But Jesus is saying that, hey, Isaac, I the son of man did not come for you to serve me. Whatever your name is, Vanessa, David, Steve, Vilma, and Eileen, Elizabeth, I the son of man, Jesus is saying, I am not in your life. I have not come for you to serve me, but rather I have come to serve you. And the Father even right now is serving us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's counseling us. He's comforting us. He's advocating for us, interceding for us. He's strengthening us. He's guiding us. That's the Father serving you. But I pray for an awakening in our hearts this morning to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit and him wanting to serve in you in the different seasons, days and minutes, second of every moment. It's not about what a great servant of God you are. It's about what a great servant he is. Oh, that may we experience him serving us. And so, Father, I pray for an awakening in our hearts. And I pray the Lord, you will lead our hearts into your love and into the patience of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you are loving the pains, hurts, disappointments in the hearts of everyone here this morning. I pray that this will be a season of refreshing because now we will allow you to serve us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your heart and your desire is to reach us in areas where we cannot go and reach ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are wiping tears away right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the canopy of your love that is resting upon your children. Thank you that you are doing what only you alone can do. We thank you for the blaze of the fire of your love consuming every chaff, every hurt and pain, every disappointment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that today will mark a new beginning in all our lives. Where we will see and experience you serving us and doing what you alone can do. May you, Lord, be glorified in our lives. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you this morning. And Lord, we praise you. And I just want to pray for anyone who is here who has not accepted Jesus in their lives. He's forgiven you. He's loved you. He's paid it all for you. It's just an invitation for you to experience the life that he has for you. So if you are here and you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, Can you just raise up your hand? If you are here, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Lord, we thank you, Lord.
for having saved us all. But much more, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would just take these words and quicken them in the hearts of your children. And I pray that you will burn in our hearts a new desire, a new passion to know you so that we can be free and experience the life that you have for us. We thank you for all this and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Please, you may be seated.